0: Oh my god, my computer did something different. It's all good. It's okay, we're starting. Here we go. Yeah. It's okay,
1: here we go. Oh,
2: there's so much other things. I need
1: it's fine. Nope, there's nothing you gotta do. Hey. Hello. Welcome back to Chapter Chumps, a reading podcast where we read chapters from a book. But yes. And then we talk about those chapters. Um, right now, we are reading through The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. And we are discussing chapters... Sorry. We're on book two of The Fellowship of the Ring, discussing chapters six and seven, yeah, meaning so, we're, like, towards the end of the book.
3: Again, it's, this is book one in a three-book series called Lord of the Rings. Okay, but, but if you
1: say book one to start off, it's going to be confusing. You I know. Sh- you don't have to even well, say that. You've made issue. it more confusing the way that you've described it now.
3: That's the issue is there's two books in the one nope. book. So it's like... It wasn't an issue. It's also <laughs> it wasn't an issue until you
1: started elaborating on it's it. It's
3: book one and... Also, book two. It's it's very it is confusing, but I'm just trying to clarify. It's not that
1: confusing. Players. It's just it's we've the thing is I think people coming to the book like if they're really following along or if they've been book readers prior like they know what we're discussing. So so us over explaining it. Well, is, you didn't is, even is,
3: mention it, the the Lord, that that it's part of the Lord of the Rings. I mean, you know, they they might have even been like what? No, no, no. What I, I think this? people are aware Fellowship that the Fellowship of the... of the
1: Ring is part of Lord of the Rings. I think I don't they're know. well aware.
3: I mean, not everybody, not everybody. So I, I just wanted okay. to clarify. A little I'm bit glad
1: further. we clarified. Okay. Yeah. So we are on book one of the Lord of the Rings, which is the Fellowship of the Ring. And within the Fellowship of the Ring, we are on book two, discussing chapters six and seven. Yeah. Is that? Okay. So that's the deal. That's where we're at. Um. These chapters we've we've you know in the past we've kind of talked about like you know they'll there will kind of be like there's like action chapters or event chapters, and then there's like nothing chapters, you know, just bumbling fucking around chapters. and these chapters kind of waver in between the two modes um off and on, I feel like because there there were parts in these chapters where I was like, Get on with it. What is going on right now? And then there were parts where I was like, this is some of the best Lord of the Rings I've read. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's how I felt about this section. So, you know, as always, there is plenty to discuss and to talk about. Um, it makes sense pacing-wise, you know. We've kind of had this break um, within within our discussions and within the episodes um just due to um you know personal reasons josh you went on vacation right
0: yeah where did it's you go again
3: now.
0: i went to visit my grandparents at the beach because i had been working for 48 hours and holy shit i just saw a thing on twitter i need to check something really quick sorry
3: uh-huh.
0: sorry i don't mean to derail it okay I guess you just he
3: just saw uh, something on Twitter, Josh. We, what, just say we have, to, I, we have I, to do this right no. now, right? We have to well, do it
0: this big. exact second. I need to check if something's real or not because okay. it's fake news if it is, and I'm sorry. Okay.
3: Was it. Okay. Um,
1: right, fuck your grandparents, right? I mean, we, we don't have to talk well, about no, that. No, they
0: they're very important. Um, and I was going to say that I. No, 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 it's fine. Let's talk about this thing from great Twitter time. first. No. I was talking about my grandparents first. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, okay. Now we're going to go back to the grandparents. Okay, yeah. let's get back to the grandparents. Sure.
0: I had a great time because it was very relaxing. I've been working 48-hour weeks for the past fucking two months. So now that I'm back on 40-hour weeks and after a vacation, it's great. And, yeah. You want to know what I just found on Twitter? Trump uh, got indicted. Oh. Yeah.
3: Well, Didn't that already I'll happen? drink to
0: that. Uh, this is about the documents case. Oh, Okay. This is a federal indictment.
3: Oh, mm-hmm. Okay.
0: And this is the one that's like the the real shit.
3: Hmm. But what about Hunter Biden's laptop?
0: Yeah, let's just move on from that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, what I about all those pictures have been doing? Cool shit. I'm Fucking scatterbrained right now because we got the fucking smoke in the air for the last couple days. That's been apocalyptic.
3: Um, Connor, Connor's in the belly of the beast. I, it's I I'm of living in the, the very heart of
1: it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I saw a thing where they like, I think we're currently experiencing some of the worst quality air in the world. Yep. Like, like on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Which is and, pretty crazy. Just I mean, like considering, like yeah, I mean, like China.
0: You know, yes, not to pull yes, a Trump Dubai. here,
1: but like. But like, li- you know, literally, like, uh, don't they have like notoriously horrible air? Like, I mean, like, there are places with some like really yes. bad fucking air. You're telling yeah. me that in the past 48 hours I've experienced the worst air? I find that hard to believe.
0: Gotta, it's those fires up in Canada, man. Yeah. Hopefully, the, hopefully the wind and shifts in the next couple days.
3: Part of me, part of me thinks they did this on purpose. You know, the Canadians.
0: Yeah, to distract We've from the aliens, which is the other big long. thing that's been happening this week.
3: Yes, the aliens. That's it. I've been
0: following that.
3: Has Tom DeLong been talking about that? He has. Yeah, he's been posting about it.
1: Yeah, I I, so is, is, is he responsible for breaking it?
3: Um, not really, but he no. It's he it's, does it's, take credit for it.
0: Of course he does, but it's it's like the guy who used to like like hand the president his daily briefings, like that level of knows all the classified shit. Wait,
3: he, and he hands the, the president story, his briefs, like his uh, boxer briefs, the, the news his drawers, his news brief. Oh, news
0: brief. Anyway, oh, not as bloomers. But the the story. So everyone's talking okay. about the aliens, but the story here is that the government. There are parts of the government that are like not being there. There's no oversight. There's no accountability. They're hiding shit from Congress, which is highly, highly, highly illegal. Even like the classified shit can't be this this highly classified level of illegal, and that's. Kind of the real story here, and we're going to know more in the next few days, hopefully. And hopefully, Congress does something instead of sitting on their ass. But I don't know with this one. Anyway, oh. I didn't know there
1: was alien news to to be honest.
0: Yeah, those broke. This broke on Monday. Oh. Uh, there's there's it started on a website called. Uh, fuck the eh, uh
1: whatever it's fine. yeah. I, I don't, I don't actually even Look, believe that there's aliens i think it's all bullshit
3: Alienfuckers.com so. is what the Look, people called. people
0: want aliens to be real they're not real okay Alienfuckers.com. Right. there's a big so. interview that's supposed to be coming out in the next few days that's on
3: alienfuckers.com. <laughs> the, snip, the snippet the <laughs> snippet stop!
0: stop i i'm i'm remaining skeptical but it's still a lot of like <laughs> All right, this okay. lines up so much with Stargate. I'm just like, there's
1: there's a lot going
0: on. There yeah, is a it, there's a lot going so on. So much going on. I'm so scatterbrained. I'm sorry. Um, I read funny. I read my part of the book that I did my reading like almost a week ago now.
1: I, know, I, I did, did all my. I started last night and I finished fucking, it today.
0: Fucking Spider Man came out. Saw that on Tuesday. Didn't see uh, it.
3: I saw Spider Man. Uh, you did. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't see the first one though.
0: Josh, your chart is speaking like crazy, man. Yeah, no, I'm trying not to. Uh, speaking of worthy sequels, fucking Tears of the Kingdom and uh, across the Spider Verse. Holy shit! Good year for sequels
3: so far.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna actually get back to Tears of the Kingdom in our
3: discussion. Guys, so
0: we'll, guys, we'll keep talk bantering
3: for that. one second, okay? Okay, one second. Oh.
0: Okay, what a, what other absolute bulls? Now we got fucking Trump indicted it's just, what the hell's going on this week? It's like, all this stuff, Reddit's gonna burn to the ground in three weeks. Oh, yeah,
1: I don't know. Trump will never get what's coming to him. He, he's too... He's too I, within this the, the... the I don't know, he's protected by the system, man. I mean, not, not to sound like, you know, tinfoil ad or whatever, but like, I mean, he's part of the whole fucking thing. You know?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm there's to... plenty
1: of people who want to take him down, but like he's, you know, for years and years and years, people are like, "Oh, this is the thing that's finally going to stick." Nothing's ever this... stuck.
0: For I reference, for reference, these kind of charges are what did in the the Rosenbergs, which were the, you know, the the spies in the '50s. Who are actually spies? Uh, so, we'll see.
1: We'll see. It's, hey, this is know. we're
0: on that level. I don't know if it's the exact same thing. In case I, I literally, him being, I like, literally saw the headline
1: somewhere and beheaded. I, I don't think his punishment really matters. So yeah,
0: I can't read anything right now. But goddamn, I was hoping to watch some anime after this f- fucking podcast. But uh, I guess now I'm just going to be reading up on whatever the fuck happens in the last next two hours.
3: Hmm. All right. Ready. Well.
0: Let's, uh, I, nor, let's. This is where I normally joke, like tune in next week when we fucking have the aliens, but they're already. That's already a thing. So I guess tune in next week when the mole people dig their way out from underground. I guess. Sorry.
3: Let's talk about no, it. No, there's no way they're Blood getting Wings. out of there. Entrapping <laughs> under there. They're. They did some bad things. They're trapped Ooh. in there for a thousand years.
1: <laughs> and their time is almost nigh. Yeah. So, uh, Chapter 6, Lothlorian. Um <clears throat> On our previous episode, we had just finished reading the Bridge of Khazad Doom. Um, and that is where Gandalf met his fiery end.
2: Doom.
1: Yes, his doom. Doom! Uh, dragged down into the depths. By the flaming whip of the Balrog, um, he has been separated from the party, and it is feared that far worse, far worse, fate than that has befallen him. Um, we just don't know. But the characters, they're like, yeah, he's dead. Um, so this chapter kind of has. Um, there's not a lot of time for them to like process their grief some of that happens here, some of that happens in the next chapter, it kind of comes and goes Um, but essentially at this point, the company needs to rally together around Aragorn to lead them to the city of the elves in this region, Lothlorien that was the plan, so they they have made it to the other side of um, the Mines of Moria and they're trying to reach their next, um, their next—I uh, don't know—stronghold, region of safety, whatever you want to call it. Um, and this journey, it kind of ebbs. What is it, Josh? Do you hear my fan? I think it's your fan. Yeah, just—it's like a surging noise. I was just yep. confused. That's what that is. It will also, it will come and go. So I, don't, I can't control that, unfortunately. Um, uh, I, I did think it was funny. My first note here, just as we start, um, I love that this chapter starts with Aragorn saying, I told you so to like I, Gandalf's dead body. I had the
0: same fucking note. Like, how is this what you fucking say? How is this what you lead with? I mean, it's very eloquently done, but he essentially says, uh, goodbye, I told you so, and, all right, everyone, let's go on without hope.
3: <laughs> I mean, you know Gandalf would have said the same, you know? He would have! Yeah. Absolutely! He, he would, it's true, he does deserve this. this. This
1: really does deserve to be his epitaph, because he really would have said the yeah, same about absolutely. anybody in the fucking party. Um, but yeah, it's it's just hilarious, you know. Aragorn's like, "I'm so sad," but like, we did kind of say this would happen, right? Remember when I said that to you, to your fucking face?
0: Um, so yeah. that was that was great. Although the the without hope line was actually just kind of kind of badass in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, and it's you know. That that's kind of what we found to be true in um, in The Hobbit as well. Like, when Gandalf leaves just prior to the Mirkwood, the whole party is in disarray. They're like, we can't do this without Gandalf. Like, that Gandalf kind of represents some sort of, like, safety and courage, like, by his mere existence. Like, he kind of is the hope that people um, are inspired by. Like, even in the most dire of circumstances, people are always like, well, Gandalf can surely get us out of this, right? And now you don't have that. So yeah, it it is cool that they have to continue like ever deeper feeling like there's this air of hopelessness about them um, due to his absence. Um, And and sure enough, like you're saying, yeah, they they go on. Um, As they like continue through this forest, um, they end up meeting with the elves of the region um, they're like the Galadrim the the tree people I think is what that means sure um, with that and we get this whole thing on you know the elves kind of being unsure like oh you know can we take you in especially because you have a dwarf in your numbers um, but they're like yeah you know we'll help you out but you'll have to be blindfolded because, like you, you know, or Gimli will have to be blindfolded because, like, he's a fucking dwarf and he can't, you know, yep. see the beauty of our our land. Yep. Um, and then that like comes to a head as as they get closer to the city. I like that scene. We'll come back and discuss that scene. Um, yep. but uh, the compromise is that everyone will be blindfolded. They're led through the towards the city. Eventually they get a message. Hey, you don't have to be blindfolded after all the the lord and lady have said like you guys are good We know about your mission, so they continue on and They they rest like in the trees off and on and um, I I think at this point like the chapter pretty much ends like just before they they get to the city or just before they get to the heart of it really um, because I'm pretty sure it's the next chapter that they meet the lord and lady of the city itself of La Florian itself and um, really they're just kind of like given this place to, to rest and regain their strength and there's a lot of smaller conversations and moments that happen in here that I think we'll want to touch on but largely this chapter is about them getting from the outskirts of Moria, to the outskirts of Lothlorien, and all that happens in between.
0: Wait, okay, this is something I'm actually been confused about. Is Lothlorien the name of the forest, or the name of the town?
1: I I think Lothlorien is the name of like the forest, the region itself, because the town yeah. is Karis uh, Galadon.
0: Is that the name of the town? Okay.
1: I'm, uh, I'm looking at the be- the first page of chapter 7, I see this line, Welcome to Karis Galadon, here is the city of the Galadrim, where dwell the Lord and Lady of Lorien. So maybe Lorien okay. is, it's it's a little, I'm not totally sure either.
0: Yeah, you're right, Karis Char- Galadon, you're right.
1: Yeah, so maybe it's that the entire region is Lothlorien? That makes and sense there's, it, because we kind of do see there's different cities, like, even before they get to the main city here, Karis Galadrim or whatever, in, in this chapter that we're discussing, they even get to, like, another smaller city, which, like, in its own right is, like, pretty beautiful to behold. Like, they're all awestruck by it. And they're like, oh, yeah, but this isn't really it, you know? This is our scout camp. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they're like, oh, yeah, it's nice, but, you know, you're not really there, you know. <laughs> sure, you know, yeah. It, it, Brooklyn's cool, but it's you're not really in the city, you know. Come on.
3: <laughs> I mean, you know, you can. It's, it's kind of like Queens. Living in Queens, it's kind of like you're not really. You're <clears throat> right. Of, yeah. No. Close. You're kind of close to Brooklyn, but it's right. Like you're kind of out, out of the city.
1: <laughs> you're, yeah. Right. Right. It's like you're you're close, but you're, like, you're not really. You're not really. You know. You're not there. You're not in the thick of it. No. No. Um. Connor, did you just read both of these chapters today?
3: Um, I read them last night.
1: Okay, nice. Yeah. Um, Um, what do you, what do you make of this first chapter here? Anything you want to share to start us off?
3: Um, I mean, I I thought it was pretty cool. You know, I was kind of like, well, why, they're, like, they're, they're not sad enough about Gandalf or whatever, but they're obviously, they've got other things, bigger fish to fry. Um, but i mean yeah it was it was cool getting uh help from the the tree elves and and you know them kind of camping out on the trees and then I liked the that you know the 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 orcs are are following them kind of it, it was a close call they they got they 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 tussled with another group of uh of the elves and the whole thing with with the gimli and uh you know the the prejudice against war it was as interesting and um you know i i i enjoyed the resolution to that yeah you know i thought it was a decent chapter um yeah i mean like you said like both of these chapters are kind of like because like from here you know previously in the book it's been like well we have an adventure chapter or we have like a boring travel chapter where not much happens but i I think Mm -hmm both of these chapters really have a good mixture of 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 both styles i thought
1: yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i think so too um and you're you're totally right to bring up the orcs pursuing them i just forgot but that's an important part of the summary too like that's why they need to stay up in the trees that's why it's so important that they have the aid of the elves it's because the orcs will pursue
0: them for like miles
1: and miles they're very dedicated
0: exactly like even to the point of entering this forest where they've never really entered before, as I yeah. understood it. Also, just while we're talking about them, I found a paragraph where they talk about goblins and orcs in the same paragraph. What? I did not catch that. Where is that? Uh, for me, it's page 417, which doesn't really care. Um, but uh, who's talking? It, is Gimli... this the Florian chapter? Yes. Uh, they're being quiet. At length, Gimli broke the silence. Not a sound to be heard. <laughs> Not a sound but the wind," he said. "There are no goblins near, or my ears are made of wood. It is to be hoped that the orcs will be content with driving us from Moria, uh, and maybe that was all their purpose. I mean, they had nothing else to do with us and the ring. The orcs will often pursue foes for many leagues into the and into plain. Uh, it, if, they have fa- if they have a fallen captain to avenge, it's pretty much that point where you're saying where they will pursue them for miles and miles. This is." Within the first few pages of the chapter, so before they yeah, the forest.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, I do remember that part. But it's interesting the the that that goblins and orcs are mentioned side by side. Um, did not jump out at me. That's really cool.
0: Um, I can't find that line. Can you read it one more time, Josh? Not a sound but the wind. He said. There are no goblins near, or my ears are made of wood. It is to be hoped that the orcs will be content with driving us from Moria, and maybe that was all their purpose. And they have nothing else to do with us, with the ring. And they had nothing else to do with the, but the ring. Uh, the orcs will often pursue foes for many leagues into the plain if they have fallen captains to avenge. I see. So it if kind look of for sounds the, like... If you, look for, if you look for a break in the pa- in the text, it's when they had eaten, the company was ready to go on.
1: Yeah, so, I, I actually I do see it now. The I see it. Yeah, not a sound, but the wind. Yep. No goblins near. So that's cool because um, so we still we still get that goblins and orcs are the same thing. But he's using the term interchangeably. He's not talking about two yes. different things. It sounds like he's he's talking about the same people, yep. but he's using both terms.
2: Yep. Yeah,
1: so, that's it's a weird. really it's cool just,
0: catch. I mean, I guess the terminology changed over seventy years. I mean, it's it's possible, but it's also just like. Huh. I guess they're just only called goblins in the Hobbit. I think we saw orcs maybe once in that book, but it was always the goblin king or the goblins chasing them through the lonely mountains. uh, The Misty Mountains, sorry. And then it's... And then we just jump into here, and it's just like, orcs, 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 orcs.
1: I wonder, like, we don't get anything in the text to support this in any way, but I wonder if it has to do with, like, Sauron's return to power. Which, you know, obviously wasn't true in The Hobbit. We only get the beginnings of it at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, we know that he kind of has this influence over the darker beings of Middle Earth. And it's, like, you know, like, in their more, I don't want to maybe go so far as to say, like, natural state. But, like, you know, are, are they goblins if it's, like, their own whims and then orcs if they're, like, under the control of Sauron? You know what I mean?
0: I see what you're saying there. Um, Again,
1: there's nothing in the text to be like, that's what it is. I'm just speculating kind of, yeah, maybe, you know, I'm
0: coming from a D and D perspective where orcs and goblins are explicitly different races. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's interesting how that it's just interesting how the, the terminology changed at some point between when these two books were written and there's no explanation, which is when language things happen in, in, Middle Earth that Tolkien always seems to go on a uh, yeah goes to some length to explain it in some he'll, way. I mean, he'll he gives say, us four different names. Out. He gives us like four different names for a mountain. Yeah, but doesn't or explain will say that, why we are say hey, goblins? Check goblins. out
1: this uh, this footnote here. It leads you to appendix that you can't find. Yes, it's not in the book that you're reading. Please check this appendix somewhere. I don't know where you're going to find it. It's not in this book, motherfucker, but you can find it somewhere else. (laughs) Yep, That happened to this chapter, didn't it? That's exactly why it's on my mind. I was going to (laughs) bring that up because there was another footnote that was like, check appendix four or whatever. And I was like, where the fuck is that? And I tried to find it. It's not in the goddamn book. It's not in the fucking book that we have.
0: Wasn't there, a, a, at the beginning of this book, there was one where you're we like, where the fuck is page 1374 or something like that?
1: Yeah, yeah, it, right. And we're like, oh, it's Return of the King because That's I have right. the Roman numeral three. We're assuming right. it's the third book of the Lord of the Rings series. So we'll get,
0: we'll get to that eventually, I suppose.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so whatever. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I do have it... Um, I guess since we're we're talking about it, because I know that I put a note for it. Where the fuck... Um, didn't I? Oh, yeah! On my copy, it's page 356. So it is in this chapter. Um,
0: you are 60 pages behind me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it has to do with... Um, when the the elves first appear and Legolas talks to them in their own language. Oh, I, and, found, you know, I,
0: found, I found the footnotes. Yeah, it note says Legolas
1: looked up and answered in the same language. And then it says, yeah, see note in appendix F of the elves. And I'm like, oh, that must be in the, the prologue thing. It's not yep. fucking here. It's not in this fucking book. Yep. Which I think like maybe to to be fair to be fair because one of the like fun facts that we talked about at the beginning you know at the outset of our discussion here is that the lord of the rings while commonly thought of as a trilogy because it's split up into three books the way that we read it um was written and always intended to be one massive story so like perhaps as tolkien's writing this and preparing to publish it It's not weird to be putting in footnotes or things like that to things that happen much further along in the book, because in Tolkien's mind as he's writing it, it is one book, which then becomes split up into three by the publisher.
0: The other thing is that I I had thought of was what if it's referencing appendices in the book of Westmount that these are supposedly uh, chapters of? Oh, that would
1: also be really interesting. I hope
0: we're like March. a
1: world building thing. Yeah,
0: whatever the, the, the compendium think, book is. I that's think was West the, March. Is is March? Right? Yeah, Some that sounds familiar. I can uh, still be right, But yeah, so who knows? I, and I, I I'm fearing right now that we'll get to Return of the King and then we'll be like it'll be like half of story and then just half of appendices and we're going to decide <laughs> if we're gonna read the appendices or not. That's right.
1: It's going to be uh, 700 pages long and 300 pages will be the, uh, the footnotes.
0: Yeah. Oh my god. I hope not.
1: No. I don't think it'll be quite so dire. But, uh, but yeah, that, uh, that, that's an interesting thought that you have there, Josh. That like maybe we're getting hung up on things that aren't even meant to be looked up. That, that would be kind of a funny twist.
0: Like, like Tolkien's obsession with calling fat people in this book just the worst.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it uh, builds on itself over and over. <laughs> um okay so this was kind of going off of Connor giving his general thoughts and then we jumped around a little bit Josh I'm sure just like myself you have notes you want to go through you have things you want to yeah. share do you so, want to get us started in that
0: uh yeah sure um one of notes, more just a like something I noticed as this chapter was going on is that Aragorn seems to have taken on the role of team dad yeah um because he, he rallies the troops at the beginning of the chapter, and then a couple pages later, I'm trying to remember what this is about. Um, I guess it was just this whole section right before what we were talking about where Gimli's saying the orcs might be pursuing them. Um, oh, it's right after they uh, they find that Frodo has is wearing the, the mithril. Yeah. Um, it's just... Aragorn's entire like demeanor this whole time. He's caring for the little ones. He's uh, he, he's making sure no one's fighting. And then Boromir's like the, the uncle who's just bitter and uh, grump grumpy uncle uh, mm-hmm. would be a better.
1: Yeah. He's the grunkle.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think I thought of my great uncle, but anyway, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm looking through my notes again, but I, I just had several. It's like, Yeah, everyone is now the team dad. uh, You know,
1: since you you brought that up, not to just cut in, but, like, just to expand a little bit more on the note about um, Aragorn finding the the mithril when he's tending to Frodo's wounds. Yeah. um, I did like that scene because, like you're saying, Josh, like, doesn't he even crack a joke about it? Like, he kind of, like, holds it up to the group, and he has, like, some quip to say.
0: Here, uh, look, my friends, he called. Here's a pretty hobbit skin to wrap an, an elven princeling in. Yes. If it were known that hobbits had such hides, all the hunters of Middle-earth would be riding to the Shire.
1: Right, right. And then Gimli, like, chimes in with, uh, yeah. oh, but, like, even their bows wouldn't
0: wouldn't pierce them or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Gimli, th- 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 this is my other note on that same sticky note, Gimli mm. really sh- takes a, starts to shine in this chapter, I think.
1: Yeah, 100%. He, has,
0: like, he was just kind of, like, there at the... Um, the Council of Elrond and Glowen did most of the talking and then he just kind of like shook his fist at the mountains when they passed by and then his lights lit his eyes lit up when they went through the Mines of Moria and now he's actually like talking and more of a character he's like lo- talking about the, the myth Mithril and I mean he just yeah. talked about the myth earlier but um, he's, he's talking about the orcs he's staying back with Frodo because they're both like really short legs and stuff like that yeah um, and then he's just like the he's the uh, the problem when they get to the forest because he's the dwarf and the elves don't like the dwarves.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and going back to this circling right around to Aragorn's the dad when he's like, I don't want to be blindfolded. Um, uh, 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 uh. Gimli's like, well, fine. Then uh, if I have to be blindfolded, Legolas has to be blindfolded too. And that's when Legolas gets all pissy because he doesn't want to be blindfolded because he's an elf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is elf territory, and Aragorn's like, you know what? Fine, we're all going to be blindfolded. Shut the fuck up and take your blindfold. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great
1: part. I do quickly want to shout out, um, I, I think, to your point, Josh, I'd say you're right, that, that Gimli has a great chance to shine in these uh, chapters. He does have one really great moment prior to this, where he's the only one who like calls Elrond out, which I really loved him for. Um calls him out for
0: what? I can't remember.
1: Elrond uh we were we went over this in uh, maybe it was two episodes prior. Um just before they leave from Rivendell. Um Elrond just has like this this kind of an aside where he's like, Oh, you know, uh you go forth as the company oh, and right, right, right. if you know if you guys feel like it's too dangerous, remember only the ring bearer has committed to this journey to its end. And Gimli's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I'm here too, asshole. Like, we're all going, and yeah. my plan and my fucking honor is to go to the end. He's yep. like, are you fucking kidding me? You're trying to give me an easy out here? What the fuck are you... And Elrond's like, oh, well, if you don't feel like it, you could duck out early. And Gimli's like, I will fucking break you in half, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember that a, now, yeah. Really, that's a good show. But 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 again, like that's really the only one to point to. Like this chapter, like you're saying Josh, is kind of chock full of like wow, Gimli's great. Um I don't really think we've gotten those moments with Legolas as much. There's a couple no. that I want to shout out, but but Gimli really is uh he's he's strongly characterized pretty quickly and I agree. Like he he feels yeah. like he he kind of slides right into the group. Um did you get that impression too, Connor? How do you feel about Gimli?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I I definitely uh grew to love him over these couple chapters. And um yeah, I felt like he was developed definitely more so than than the other uh crew members other than the hobbits, you know. I mean, yeah, I I think it's a fun it's a fun dynamic having him in in enemy territory and um yeah. He's a good bloke.
1: Yeah. How about we... I I know maybe we're jumping around a bit here, but I have a couple notes on that very dynamic between the dwarves and the elves. You know, obviously focusing on Gimli and the rest of the group, but, like, kind of in general, um, there's this interesting line here. On my copy, it's pretty early on in the chapter, page 355. Um... So after Legolas sings his song, so you'd be able to find this pretty easily. Oh yeah.
0: After what he sings you, his song, what page do you say the end of the song is?
1: Uh, for me, it's three
0: hundred
1: fifty-five. Four twenty-two. Yeah. Yes. We <laughs> there's a great uh, difference in our yep. our page lengths here. Um, I must have a lot on these pages. But anyways, um, so it says. Um, uh, I cannot sing any more. That is but a part, for I have forgotten much. It is long and sad, for it tells how sorrow came upon Lothlorien, Lorien of the Blossom, when the dwarves awakened evil in the mountains. But the dwarves did not make the evil, said Gimli. I said not so, yet evil came, answered Legolas sadly. So there's a couple things that I want to mention about that. Yeah. One, we get like very strong allusions to where the friction between the dwarves and the elves come from. I think for the first time, um,
0: what, or one of the big, big like,
1: yeah, catal- yeah, right. If if not the like only one, then certainly a major one, right? It's like, so it seems like through their creation of Moria, and and digging into the mines. Um, they awaken this evil that affects the land, and so the dwarves are blamed for that. And then, like, kind of connecting, you know, the dots here, it's like, well, so is that what the Balrog is? Is that why the Balrog is there? Because, not to jump ahead a little bit, but in the next chapter, when they meet with Celeborn and Galadriel, Celeborn has this moment where he's like, oh, but you guys fought a Balrog? If I fucking knew that, I never would have let Gimli in here. You would have all been fucking banished, and I wouldn't have ever fucking helped you. And it's like, wait a minute. So, so as the dwarves dug in Nemoria, did they awaken
0: the Balrog itself? I, from what I've seen online previously, I think that is the implication. Yes. Yeah.
1: And so they're like they're blamed for it you know it's like oh well it would have just fucking stayed there and not bothered anyone if the dwarves weren't so greedy so like all the elves know that they didn't make the evil but they they get the the blame yeah they, i think they, they believe to
3: just to bring evil where they yeah you know, like where they go and it's little moments like that where um their their prejudice pops out
1: right and, I mean, like, I get it. From the elves' perspective, it's kind of hard to deny, because it's like, if there was a group of people who were largely responsible for, like, I don't know, waking up the devil, you'd be like, well, I don't know, fuck those guys, right? Like, I'm not, it, like, it doesn't come from nowhere. I'm not saying it's right, either. But, like, you do kind of get where they're coming from. You know that it is prejudiced, and, like, from having a dwarf in the party, it goes a long way for the reader to be like, the dwarves are fucking cool. You know, you've read The Hobbit, you've gone through their whole journey of retaking The Lonely Mountain, now Gimli's here, son of Glowin, like, you know, people like dwarves, but, like, you do kind of see where uh, it comes from.
3: Yeah, I, I, um, understand, you know, your perspective, but personally, I, uh, I'm just not a fan of bigotry, so, you know, that's where we differ, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Love wins. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Um I mean it's I'm not I am not here in uh, staunch support of the elves. <laughs> I'm not draw- I am not drawing a line in the sand. I'm saying this chapter gives us a perspective on either side yeah, of that divide.
3: Definitely. Yeah, it gives us not that
1: not that the elves are right in their opinion, but you we for the first time we see where it comes from because we're constantly told the elves and the dwarves don't like each other, and it's like, why? Why the fuck don't they like each other? I think this is the first time we're given a reason.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um. So there's so there's that. Um, where that was that was oh right, and that was going off of the whole Gimli.
0: Gimli's starting to shine in this chapter.
1: Yes. I think the only other thing I want to mention and then I'll happily go on to the next point if you want to take the lead there Josh okay going off of what you were mentioning about Aragorn being team dad and um, coming up with the solution that everyone should be blindfolded I I particularly liked that part of the chapter um, because like you have two sides that um, you know they're not prepared to give any grounds because then that you know that's going to be just seen as a loss. You know, they're admitting something if they if either side, you know, blinks. And yep. so I, I thought it was a really good display of Aragorn's diplomacy skills. He's like, okay, well, there there is a compromise here. And Gimli's like actually really amused by it. He fucking loves that Legolas has to be blindfolded. He cannot <laughs> get enough of the fact that Legolas has to be blindfolded. He fucking loves it. And I thought that was hilarious. Because Legolas um, wants to see the forest. Yes. Yeah, Gimli got so much amusement out of feeling like he was taking away something from Legolas um, that I I just loved reading about it. Like, it was so spiteful that it felt great to read, where I was like, I love that Gimli gets this character moment of like just being this little bitch, and, <laughs> and uh, but like just just reveling in it. Like he doesn't he doesn't ever feel like oh maybe I shouldn't have no he just completely owns that moment. And um, I just thought it was hilarious that he gets that because I didn't ever feel like oh Gimli shouldn't do that or like that's not fair to Legolas. I was like yeah fuck Legolas put a blindfold on that elf. So, I don't know. I I really liked the dynamic between Gimli and Legolas in that moment. I really liked the tension between Haldir and Gimli and the rest of the group. Like, Gimli draws his fucking axe, and the other elves ready their bows. Like, they they are fucking out for blood like this is a serious fucking thing and Aragorn steps in and he's like Jesus Christ all right but just everyone will wear a blindfold everybody I like, I
0: like how you're holding a can as you're talking Like <laughs> I'm imagine Aragorn just like stepping out with a beer. <laughs> yes yes yeah Boromir's in the background
1: with his
3: own just like oh my god
1: yeah yeah <laughs> so so anyways I just wanted to touch on that because that's part of my notes as well um yep. But it sounds like you probably want to take the discussion elsewhere. Is there somewhere you want to jump to?
0: Um, let's see. We talked about, I guess, keeping with the elves and the doors for a moment. Um, one of the few things Legolas did in this chapter, aside from sing a song and tell us about the forest, is he goes up with Frodo to negotiate their passage. And at one point in this negotiation, uh, the elves spoke together in soft voices. Wait, is this before or after? Oh, no. Okay. Uh, He tells them... uh, Legos tells them... uh, Eight. Myself, four hobbits, and two men, one of whom, Aragorn, is an elf friend of the folks of the Westerness. Uh, The name of Aragorn, son of Arathorn, is known to Lorien, said Haldir, uh, and he has a favor of the lady. All then is well. But you have not spoken but you have yet spoken only of seven. The eighth is a dwarf, said Legolas. And my note for this is it takes Legolas and Frodo's combined efforts to pass off one dwarf in this forest. And if they had, had Gandalf, they would have been able to pass off a dozen more. <laughs> You're
1: so right. Yeah, yeah, there's there's only one more. Yeah, they, they each yeah. come
0: around the corner. Yep. It's just one dwarf, and all the others are like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" And yeah. if Gandalf was there, it wouldn't have been a problem. They could have gotten a whole troop of dwarves through the right, forest. This is this so is what true. it means
1: to to not have him in your party. You know, I mean, it's it's a dire blow. His his fucking charisma rolls. You know, his, <laughs> his diplomacy
0: they are high. They are high. Yes. So, uh, let's see. Where's that other note? Oh, yeah. Uh, backing up to... Uh, we, we're also continuing to get these uh, hints that Frodo has been hearing extra stuff that the others mm-hmm. can't hear.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And it is absolutely fucking Gollum.
3: Yeah, for uh, sure. Because... <laughs> is, say, is that is that
0: what you've been thinking too, Connor? Yes. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so going back to when that same spot where I said the goblins and the orcs were used together um, Frodo did not answer he looked at Sting and the blade was dull yet he had heard something uh, or thought he had as soon as the shadows had fallen about them and the road behind him they had heard again a quick patter of feet every now and then every now even now he hurt he turned swiftly and there were two tiny gleams of light behind or for a moment he thought he saw them uh, but at once they slipped aside and vanished. Yeah. And then later on, is like the, the Aragorn is a dad, uh, Team Dad. There's more in this chapter. And I just got to find it again. Um, oh, right. Because it was the. I I was looking for a note. It was like, where's the other thing where I'm talking about Gollum? No. It's. My notes just, hmm, with the arrow pointed at. One word. Uh, immediately afterwards, Haldir came climbing swiftly up through the branches. There was something in the trees that I have not seen before. He said, "It was not an orc. It fled as soon as it, as I touched the tree stem. It seemed to be wary and to have some skills in trees. Or I might have thought it was one of you hobbits."
1: Right. Yeah that that, I think that line much confirms it. Right, jumped out at me. Um, and. I mean like even, even uh setting aside um, you know our knowledge of the movies and, and what have you. Um I just don't it does shows up
0: at some point. I don't know how.
1: It does I, feel like this is is strongly alluding to it. Um I'm kinda wondering, Connor, since since you're also of that mindset, like but I, I don't think you know the larger story as uh with as much familiarity. Um d- does this feel like obvious to you? Like I'm not trying to say like that's what it is, it's confirmed, but like it sounds like you're on that track, and yeah. I I'd just like to hear from you a little bit on that.
3: I, I mean I I don't know. It's 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 not like super, super obvious, but it's like kinda obvious, you know? Like that was my just, that's my first thought that I you know even before like like the first time, um just because I just because I'm like aware that that he's on the loose and like I've been thinking about when is this guy gonna come back, yeah. So that's just what immediately pops into my mind, but I don't think it was overly obvious.
1: I gotcha. I just um. Not that there's really anything to be done. Like, I get that when we're all in discussion, there's certain things that um, you're just not going to be able to, to help or to mitigate. Um, but, like, I'm conscious and trying to be sensitive to the fact that, like, I know that there's things that Josh and I know that you don't know. And I'm wondering, like, do you feel like our discussion kind of, like, influences you into that mindset? Or do you feel like you came to that conclusion just as you were reading?
3: About Gollum? Yes. Oh i mean that's the first thing that I thought of when I was reading the the that passage so i mean um so yeah so i mean so far I don't think so, but uh you know i mean I think it's inevitable it's 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 you know reading and discussing a book with people who have already kind of idea or know the story one way or the other is you know it's it's of course it's gonna uh that's gonna trickle in there too
1: yeah yeah, i gotcha i i just I was just wondering if, like, before we talked about it, when you read that, you know, you were like, oh, shit, like, yeah, that's Gollum. And it sounds like it sounds like you, you were kind of struck by that. Um,
3: yeah. Even yeah, initially. Yeah, th- so, that, that, yeah that, that, was, that was the first thing I thought of.
1: Yeah. That's, that's cool to hear, because all of Josh's points, like, I, I, you know, it felt like I was kind of itemizing those in a list in my head, too. Like, oh, yeah, the two gleaming points of light. Like, I remember in The Hobbit, they talk about the way that um, Gollum's eyes are. Um, We know it's not an orc because when Frodo pulls out Sting, it's not glowing. Like, that's a cool hint, oh. you know. Also, and, Hallier
0: just states it's not an orc.
1: Yeah, true enough. <laughs> um, yeah,
0: I, I completely forgot to make the connection with uh, Sting.
1: Yeah, and, and then just like your last point, Josh, you know, Haldir, Haldir says, like, oh, I would have thought it was a hobbit if not for, you know, blah, blah, blah. And right. it's like, oh, well, that's Gollum's whole deal. So... So yeah, it, it it does seem to be pointing in that direction, um, which is interesting. It's like you know, yeah. When when does that come to a head? You know, I'm not really sure either. Um. Okay, so we've covered that point. Dad, um, I have several things I could,
0: I could kind of shout out here. We've we've talked about a lot of it. So um, before we get into a more serious discussion at the end of this chapter, yeah. I, I feel like you're about to move towards the end of the chapter.
1: Mm, maybe I don't know, but sure, go um, on, Josh.
0: I, I do have one joke in this uh, one, unrelated to Lord of the Rings joke. I'm trying to find it. Make double check my notes just to make sure. Uh, give sunshine, goblins. Um we into the serious stuff yeah okay so when they are crossing the river
2: mm-hmm.
0: with the help of the dwarves uh the elves uh <clears throat> sam makes a, sam shuffled along clutching hard and looking down into the pale eddying water as if the chasm as if it was a chasm in the mountains he breathed with a leaf when he was safely across live and learn as my gaffer used to say what do you think my note is
1: Uh, Wait, does this have to do with Sonic? <laughs> yes. Live and learn?
0: Are you kidding me? <laughs> that just jumped out at me! Because it's live and learn exclamation point, so I'm just reading that, and then my, my brain's auto-finishing, auto, uh, yeah, hanging on to the edge, edge of tomorrow. Of tomorrow.
1: There oh, my go. God. Okay, but I mean, you know that live and learn is a saying.
0: I do know that. Right? But like, that didn't come note. from
1: Sonic. Like, no, you know Sonic that, right?
0: Yes, I know that. <laughs> okay, but I grew I up with the Sonic. But I grew up with Sonic. So that's what my brain auto-completes to. Do you yeah. know how much stuff my brain auto-completes that I know isn't from this original thing I'm, auto- I'm like, referencing? But I- it's just what my brain connects to.
1: That's a really, I, I love that that's the language that you use, like, <laughs> because it, it's such a great shorthand, you know, the fact that, yeah. like, auto-completing things, like, it, it feels like it's uh, such an interesting window um, it, or in, in, into <laughs> how you make those connections, and I, I kind of yeah. love it, it's pretty funny.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm lying down reading the book, and then I I read that, and my brain just I I I read, live and learn, and literally the melody plays in my head. <laughs> <laughs> it's rather annoying. It, I had to write the note because it, I just kept circling back to this, and I'm like, oh my god, the the song's stuck in my head now.
2: Wow,
1: that and is was, really funny. I wrote funny. the note,
0: and it's like I gotta move on, and like force myself through the song.
1: That is really funny. You know, you know what is funny? Okay, so I actually did have one like joke note as well, so this is a really good thing to piggyback off of. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is kind of like an auto-completion. It's not really the same, but I think only Connor is going to be like, oh, yeah, I, I know this one. Um, but on my copy, it was page 366, um, which is towards the end of the chapter. Um, so they get to Saren Amroth um, and... Frodo is like completely enamored with like the beauty of the area like oh, I yeah. mean even more than that it's like he's under this magical influence like I don't he's like practically tripping like he's like whoa this tree man like have you ever fucking felt a tree <laughs> and there's this line um it says uh he felt a delight in wood and the touch of it and my thing was uh <laughs> From curb your enthusiasm, Larry David is like, Do you respect wood? Do you you know, do you have a respect for wood? Do you even fucking respect Wood? And um that's what my brain auto completed too. I could not help yeah. but like be struck by that thought as
0: I read that line, and I was like, What the fuck? Why am I thinking about that right now? <laughs> I think these are connections that the original readers and the author never intended.
3: <laughs> no, Tolkien's gotta like, be a Curb fan.
0: Yeah, no, but he, he would just, love Curb. He would. <laughs> um. Yeah, but do you want to get back to the serious board? Because th- this that whole section where I start getting more serious notes again.
1: I I do. I have a few more things I want to touch on too. So yeah, uh, but but go on.
0: Uh, so I mean, just that whole section there. One of the things that struck me was the last paragraph where he's on that trip, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, though he walked, though he walked and breathed and about him lived leaves and flowers were stirred by the same cool wind as Fanta's face. Frodo felt that he was in a timeless land that did not fade or change or fall into forgetfulness. When he had gone and passed again into the outer world, still Frodo, the wanderer from the Shire would walk here. Would I'm sorry, would walk there upon the grass among Eleanor and uh, Nifredil in fair Lo- Lorraine. So my note here is just kind of like I know it's metaphorical, but I'm also wondering if it's like literal because this is supposedly a timeless land. It sounds like everyone who comes here has some sort of imprint Mm -hmm. here. And so I'm wondering, is he talking about like his heart is staying here because it's such a, a peaceful timeless place that is just like you said he connects with the wood you're talking yeah. about everything living no frodo frodo
3: Oh, okay because doesn't eric say something like that too
0: yes and i think one of my other notes is about that
3: yeah
0: um, um but my 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 thoughts here are just is he when he says that when when frodo has left and passed again to the outer world which i guess foreshadowing to some degree yeah um Still, Frodo the Wanderer from the Shire would walk here. And I'm wondering okay, is Frodo the Wanderer from the Shire, is that like his heart? Is that his, like a part of his soul? Um, is it the imprint? Or is this a, like a copy of him? Or is this some sort of like timeline shenanigans where it's just like a time loop of Frodo going back and forth through the, the <laughs> land? And I may be watching way too much sci fi and like multiverse bullshit for the last couple months. So <laughs> everything's. Well- My brain's
1: really jumbled. No, I mean, those are some really interesting questions that I think could easily spin off into into some longer discussions. Mm -hmm. Uh, Connor, it sounded like maybe you had something you wanted to to add on cuz i mean regardless of if it was frodo or aragorn who said it like did did you have something that you felt like um you wanted to contribute there
3: uh, i mean the the impression that i kind of got um with aragorn when he was saying that was that like it you know you know felt like he he maybe has or w- you know we know he has a past there and stuff and so so you know maybe there's like a lost love or something going on mm mm-hmm. mhm that's the vibe that i got
1: yeah i do think there there is definitely like a longing with aragorn yeah a romantic longing yeah yep. um and to what you're saying josh i will happily entertain <laughs> any strange or out-there interpretation that you might want to delve into a little bit further, but um, I think passages like this are made even more interesting considering the giant revelation that we get in the upcoming chapter. Um, Regarding... Given that, well, I mean...
0: Regarding the... Yes. Okay. Exactly that. Exactly that. For those because... who are listening to our audio podcast, I was, I was indicating <laughs> I, something I, I, on the I camera understand. that we're using.
1: Exactly that, um, and it's what it's like. Oh, we're going to talk about it in twenty minutes. So who fucking cares? But no, <laughs> we'll keep it under wraps. Exactly that, Josh, um, okay. because there's there's very strong indication that because of it, like the land itself is affected by its presence. So, like, I do wonder if these feelings that the characters are having, like, even, you know, prior to that, um, is, is a consequence of it. Hmm. Um, I would considered that. But, I mean, so, all that being said, I, it, it doesn't have to be that either.
0: So. Yeah, no, I mean, so, one of my other notes about this chapter is that these last few bits, when they arrive at um... Uh, the 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 when they finally get to see the the forest and the town, and we get this whole like trip, uh, like Aragorn looks like he's in his twenties now,
2: mm, or something yeah, like he that. Does. Right, I didn't he looks actually
0: note that, but it's like, like this was his first imprint on it, and now he's he's like returning to this youthful, more energetic form because just to, because of his presence in the forest again, um, and it it feels like this land is almost like a sort of heaven that yeah. you can just walk into. Yeah. Um, but my note here is the end of this chapter where all this starts happening is really where this book starts to feel like a fantasy. Mm-hmm. Like everything up to now is, yes, has been fantasy. It's It's got all the, the fantasy tropes that we know and love but this is where it really goes into like hard fantasy and not just this is uh, a, a fictional universe. It's like, oh, now we're, we're getting into some really trippy stuff. Not that Tom Bombadil wasn't that trippy, but um, like, uh, like, for the last few chapters, I've been wondering to myself, where did that storybook feeling from The Hobbit go, where it felt like we were reading a, a sto- story you could tell your kids for bedtime. Mm-hmm. And now I see, like, oh, no, that's gone now. We are now in a mature fantasy world. Where this really trippy stuff can happen, and does happen. I just thought that was it. It's a transition uh, where we've we've. If anything, this book has transitioned us from the storybook of The Hobbit to something more uh, grounded. And then now that now that we've branded ourselves in something more realistic and uh, more mature and dark in tone. I mean, people have died. Um, and it's not the end yet, like the Hobbit was. It, mm-hmm. we are it now it's just like, all right, everybody's grounded now let's just go let's go hang out in the magic mushroom forests, I guess,
1: right. It's like and, you kind of got a, a foothold and it's like now we're gonna expand yes, you're you're familiar, and now we're gonna take that into like weirder territory,
0: yes, yep that's that's exactly what I was trying to convey. thank you
1: yeah no i i i I got you and i i'm with that sentiment too i it's funny because it takes so much of the fellowship to kind of get to that point but i think that's also what makes it feel um as as strong and solid as it does and like yeah like there there are points prior to this where it takes that sidestep into like more of the bizarre especially with tom bombadil but um even like the barrow whites you know and um a couple other occasions here and there that aren't immediately springing to mind like they they do go on these like side adventures not side adventures you know it's all part of the same journey but yeah. they do they do have these moments where it will feel like their their reality will will kind of like warp or shift yep. or 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 even like lessen like it almost becomes unreality in these moments yes but and you, um
0: but yeah. it always it always remains grounded in something. This is the first time where it feels like, oh, now it's, well, it well I, yeah, it, this is where it feels like, oh, we are the least grounded we've ever been. I think
1: so. And there's a really fascinating line that I, I would otherwise save for the next chapter, but I feel like I have to bring it Go up here, given that Go we're having it. this discussion. Um, so in chapter seven, um, when Galadriel is um let's see here Galadriel is showing them the mirror on my copy it's page 377 so this is towards the end of the next chapter that we're going to discuss um but Galadriel uh, has such a telling line so she says um Oh, boy. Ah, she says, as she turns to Sam, for this is what your folk would call magic, I believe, though I do not understand clearly what they mean. And they seem also to use the same word of the deceits of the enemy. But this, if you will, is the magic of Galadriel. Did you not say that you wished to see elf magic? And just the idea that from the perspective of the elves... Um and particularly Galadriel who like I don't know if I'm using this term right, but like feels like a high elf. Like even among the elves, like yeah. she's pretty fucking badass. Like that's
0: um, oh, yeah. uh, something I, I wanted to bring up too is Yeah. Like, she's
1: they, go
0: ahead.
1: Well yeah, just to finish she's she's almost teasing them. She's kind of she's like belittling them in a way that like from her, like I don't think she means to be disparaging of them. But she's like, yeah. oh, magic. That's funny. <laughs> That's what you call it, right? Like yeah. the fact that you even name it that is amusing to her, because in her mind, I-, I don't even think magic exists. There's just the things that people are or aren't capable of.
3: It sounds yeah, like I all think- she knows is that they refer to, uh, you know, evil as magic too, like dark magic. In that, in that, it's yeah. funny that they that they refer to them the same way.
1: Yeah, she, she does also touch on that But yeah, even, just like you're saying Josh Where it's like things kind of like Warp or shift and since we spend So much time in the perspective of the hobbits Who have a much more like humble and grounded worldview, mm-hmm. the more fantastical Elements of Middle Earth To them, you know, and then to us As the readers are like, whoa, things are Getting crazy, but like To the more um, uh, the um The minded. characters Of higher wisdom, right, you know yeah, they even think it's funny that they call it magic. They're like, "Magic, you fucking idiot! You have no clue what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about." And and so it's weird. funny we get that commentary within the text.
0: Yeah, no, I I think the elves in this chapter, these chapters have felt as you get further and further in, more ethereal. Yeah, and I'm trying to trying to word this properly. Um, we we see. Uh it's kind of tying this back to Star Wars briefly,
2: mm-hmm.
0: it's kind of, it'd be kinda of be like they're all the elves are very sage, especially uh uh why am I blanking on her name? Galadriel. Yeah, Galadriel. Galadriel, thank you. The The emphasis were not coming out in my brain right. But like like if this was Star Wars, the, the, the hobbits would be like, oh, the elves are light side and the um and, and Sauron's the dark side, and she'd be like, right. oh, light side, dark side, it's just the force.
2: Mm, yeah.
0: I, I feel like that's what it would be like if if this was Star Wars and um, here it's just like, yeah, no, this is just what I do you disagree, Connor? Or are you just swishing your soda around?
3: She's like oh. a she's like a gray Jedi. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: He's swishing his soda around.
3: Yeah.
0: Um But yeah, here it's just like they they're very Sage and they see things for what they're supposed to be, I guess. Um and it makes me wonder what what the perspective would be. I, I I guess I'm trying to trying to understand what she's what she meant by like my what you call my magic and what you call his magic, it's not the same thing. Yeah. Like, it's not they're not both magic. I I think her ability, her perception is uh, I, I'm trying to put this together right now so I apologize if it's not coherent uh, her perception is that uh, what things in the forest are meant to be or want to be uh, which is connected or young and youthful or uh, just vibrant and alive and just every feeling of sunlight or or the gent like every Gentle breeze or cool rain, at the same time, and it makes me wonder what Sauron's power is. Is it just wanting to control all of that? Yeah. Or just like, what is the opposite of seeing everything and making everything what it is intending, what it wants to be, or what it can be? Is it wanting to make it less somehow, or wanting to destroy? I I just.
1: Yeah, wanting wanting to control it. Like you're like you're saying, I think like to control okay. it is to kind of like diminish it. Yeah. And going off of what you're saying there too, Josh. Um, and you know we kind of get an idea for how old Galadriel is, just like so many other characters. Like she she definitely has a line in there somewhere. Um, when when the the company is first introduced to them, she's like, oh yeah, we've been living here since like. Uh, like the, I don't know, she calls it like the dawn, like, but like of time, you know, like of time, who fucking knows? Yeah. But um, w- what I mean is I, I like I like your point about how like maybe Galadriel's perception of magic or, or what the hobbits consider to be magic is more in line with like what she perceives the natural world to be because we get a lot of that as like the world building too, like Sam will always say like um, you know, oh, uh, you know, I, I want to know more about magic because uh, I've read about it in, in like, the texts. You know, it's like mm-hmm. there's this idea that in the deep past of Middle Earth, like, magic was everywhere. And so it's like, at that point, if it's everywhere, it's not even magic, is it? It's It's the natural order of the entire world. So, like, if the natural order is what people would consider to be, quote-unquote, magical then it isn't magic at all. You know, it's simply the the building blocks of reality at that time. And yet, as time has progressed, as we've gone into the next age where this story takes place, however many thousands of years afterwards, um, you know, so much of that, like, previous natural order, and by extension, the magic of it, is gone. So it, it feels particularly magical whenever you behold it or see a demonstration of it. It's like, oh, wow, like, that's magic. And yet to Galadriel, who lived through the age when magic was normalcy, when you wouldn't even call it magic, when there was no word for it, it, it maybe it speaks a lot to, like, why that's her perspective as well. Why, why it's funny to, for her to call it magic, when for her it's like, well, that was normal, and now it's now. And things are different now.
0: You know this is making me think of is Avengers uh, Endgame was it in the game or, or infinity war? Um, when Dr. Strange is talking to Thanos and he's like, let me guess your home. And Thanos is like, yes. And he, it, it was beautiful. It's like that, that shift is like th- this forest is Thanos remembering what the world used to be like and how beautiful it was. And the reality is middle earth now.
1: Right. There's only that pocket of it.
0: Yeah. So it, it the elves are interesting. They they seem to have like. They, they seem to live both in the past and like see into the future to some degree. But they're like, they, their time scale works differently than the rest of the world, where everyone's just like, "Yeah, this happened in so and so year," and the elves just like, "Yeah, I remember when that happened." Right. It's exactly. been a thousand years. Wow. Yeah. And then it'll be like, "Oh, it felt like five hundred years ago,"
3: or or <laughs> did it or has it
0: happen, Has it has it come to pass yet, or something? like Right. You don't know where they are.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's a great uh, thing to shout out, too, because it, it does really speak to, like, why they are the way that they are. Like, for everyone else, it's like, oh, you know, this is the study of ancient history, and the elves are like, well, <laughs> you true. know, bitch, I was there, like, yeah, that, you know.
0: Ancient history, that was breakfast.
1: Yeah, right. So it, it, it does make sense, and um, I think the last thing I want to, focus on, and then maybe we can wrap up the... We're kind of getting to Chapter 7 territory, but I think maybe there's a handful of things we want to discuss in Chapter 6. But, um, one of my notes here at the very beginning of Chapter 7, since we're on it, um, was, um, it was here when they're, where they're, uh, discussing, um, oh, uh, what, what the elves... They, they they meet Celeborn and Galadriel, and it says, um, Very tall they were, and the lady no less tall than the Lord, and they were grave and beautiful. They were clad holy in white, and the hair of the lady was of deep gold, and the hair of the Lord Celeborn was of silver, long, and bright. But no sign of age was upon them, unless it were in the depths of their eyes. For yep. these were keen as lances in the starlight, and yet profound the wells of deep memory. And as I read that passage... My note is, these were the elves you were thinking of, Josh. Yes. When we were reading The Hobbit and our first encounter with the elves is, they're singing and frolicking and dancing, and we were like, what the fuck?
0: These are the fucking Tolkien elves that we've been thinking about the whole time. You're right. You're absolutely right. And this gives me hope that when we watch the the animated version of this, that they're not going to be the weird grumpy tree yodas. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out what Legolas is, but hopefully these are more closer to uh animated uh Elrond. Yeah. yeah. Um also I did have a note for that same section. If I remember correctly, in the movie isn't uh Galadriel's hair silver? I
1: think it is blonde. I remember the actress that plays her and I think it is like a kind of blonde. Okay.
0: I mean, it's a hair color thing. It's not that important, but it was just yeah. like, this is one of the few things I remember about this character was flowing silvery hair. Mm. So it's just like, oh, weird that they described hers as golden and the uh, Selberon or whatever it is, is uh, uh, the, the silver haired one. Right. Was yeah. It, wait, is it actually, what was his name again? I
1: think it's Celeborn. Celeborn. Okay, sorry. But uh, we Celeborn. get a lot of words with the "cella" prefix like, yeah, no reward se-
0: part as well. So celebrate name of a character from a D&D show. I watch. Gotcha. <laughs> That's why I got confused. All right, let's, um, I do let's let's have- wrap up chapter six. Yeah, I have, yeah. I have one yeah. more note. And okay. it's just it's just a section that uh, it was just a sentiment that I found interesting and I didn't have much time to think about it at the time. So I just kind of wrote down my thought and my where my thoughts were at the time. It's just um, where's the actual line said it's by Haldir mm-hmm. um, he's talking to Mary I think Mary's lamenting about how he wants to go home he's never been so far from home um, I don't think that I should have the heart to leave it if he ever went back and uh, Haldir is like not even to see fair Lothlorien. Uh the world is indeed full of peril and it is in there, as and in it, there are many dark places, but still there is much that is fair. And though in all lands love is now mingled with grief, it perhaps it grows perhaps the greater. Yeah, and it's that that sentiment of love grows greater when mixed with grief. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was just wondering: is it lesser on its own, or is sacrifice slash the ultimate express? It, it does that have something to, to do with like sacrifices and like the ultimate expressions of love? are inherently tied with some form of grief. And it's just that's some really deep philosophical shit that I have not had the brain power to deal with over the last week since I've read this.
1: I took that line to mean more um that it's easy for people to focus on like the grief and the despair in the world. But there's, like, a reminder that, like, even even when things seem uh, hopeless and dark and pitiful, that, like, love is always the stronger force. Like, you can look for the light if you choose to. Like, it's always there.
0: Okay, kind yeah. I, I, yeah, no, that's that's really good. I, I was coming at it from the perspective of, uh, you gotta, like, what's the point of good if there's no bad to compare it to? Mm. So take
1: the... Yeah, I wonder what... It's It's funny thinking about like comparing the morality of Lord of the Rings to Star Wars, because especially in the newer canon, there's this idea of, like, oh, well, you can't have light without the darkness, but like, I feel like in Lord of the Rings, it's like, oh, well, you should get rid of all the darkness. Like It should be all <laughs> light, you know? Um, we'll see where we land with that in the end. We're far mm-hmm. away from making any declaration on that point but
0: well i think Hallier's making the the argument for the the mixture yeah it's just like yeah like yeah this place is great cuz there's no darkness but i mean the the light is even brighter on the outside
1: yeah yeah i mean certainly you need to have you you can't avoid either aspects but i yeah I, I was thinking more like um you know, don't wallow in despair. Like, there's, there's good things about the world, even when you feel like you're, you know, drowning in the bad, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it's easy for the company to feel like, wow, everything sucks. Like, f- fucking Sauron is returning, and we have, like, the worst burden imaginable. And it's kind of like, yeah, but, and you know, Bill you're a Lothorian. Like, not everything's bad. Like, not everything's bad. There's a few good things, and those good yeah. things are, like, worthwhile still. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had a note there. Uh, similarly, I don't, I'm not opening my book because I have the note here on my phone, but I, I think it's around this passage. It says, um, this is also from Haldir. He says, Indeed in nothing is the power of the Dark Lord more clearly shown than in the estrangement that divides all those who still oppose him. hmm as I read it, I realize this is from, uh, they're talking about how, I, I think this is coming off of like the division between Gimli and the rest of the group, and it's like, oh, like shouldn't we be a united front against Sauron? Like, why are we fighting amongst ourselves when we all agree that Sauron is the darkest force? Mm -hmm. I liked this line because they attribute that sentiment back to Sauron himself. It's like, oh, well, like we live in such an age of darkness that it it forces us to be skeptical of our neighbor. You know, it forces us to look more critically upon people who are different from us. And it's like okay like I I know that Tolkien had his own thoughts to share at the beginning of this book outright where he's like this isn't about World War II but I'm like this feels like a commentary on fascism like pretty (laughs) outright where it's like oh you know one of of the Dark Lord's greatest powers is to create infighting amongst the people who would otherwise band together to stop him and it's like that's pretty blunt that's all I'm saying so I, I wanted to shout that line out there too but I, I like, yeah, no, and not to overshadow your point, Josh, because I I like what you had to say. I feel like those are connected, and um, and that idea that like you know light and darkness you know kind of intermingle, and it's like w- what do you make of that? You know that's open to interpretation too.
0: Yeah, uh, those are really good points, and like I said, I just haven't had the brain power to really contemplate this, and I don't think it's meant to really have a a real answer kind of question. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah, it's, like it's many things. It can also be seen as a very blunt commentary. And I just want to point out to what we were saying when we first started reading this book at the very beginning. Tolkien's like, yeah, you can draw whatever conclusions you want. It's just a story, bro.
1: Yeah.
0: Which, hey, if, if you're ever writing an essay for an English class to analyze your text, just point to Tolkien saying that. I'm sure you'll get an F. Automatic A. <laughs> <laughs> but Tolkien said,
1: yeah. I mean, it would be funny to bring up in a Tolkien class, of which there are many. I wonder, Mm -hmm. you know, that would be grounds for, like, a a, probably a very interesting discussion. Uh, What does death of the author mean to reading Tolkien when Tolkien has this to say about his own text? Um, Yeah, I I would love to discuss that with a Tolkien scholar. (laughs) You know
0: what? We could find... We could find Tolkien Scholars to come and talk with us on the podcast. I was going to say, of which there are none on this podcast, because we are just a bunch of rubes reading. Sorry, we're a bunch are chumps reading.
3: Tolkien no, there's, Scholars, you have an open but that, that's, that's the thing. It's so
1: hilarious. There's none on this podcast, but I promise you, there are so many more than you think there are. Like That's what's hilarious. That's what I love thinking about, like... You know, like like scholarly criticism and discussions on Tolkien go so much further beyond like your high school English class, because there's just entire schools specifically and only dedicated to him and his works. And it's like, how many authors have that? It's a pretty small fucking group. Like
0: yeah, the kids, Shakespeare, and that's it. End of list. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Can you imagine... I mean, like, this dude was fucking writing in the 30s and the 50s, and it's like, you got your name up there with Shakespeare? Like, he really does deserve to be named in the same breath, and that's just remarkable. Yeah.
0: I mean, just just to clarify, we do mean English writers, that Just, but...
1: Yes. Uh, completely true. There's entire gigantic spheres outside of my own knowledge that I have no input on, but... Um, so it's a good thing to mention. Connor, Josh and I have been kind of trading back and forth for a little bit. Is there anything you feel like you want to give your two cents on? or um, For the first chapter? I I guess. I don't know. I feel like we were kind of having this uh, discussion on, like, uh, I don't know, shit about. The,
3: the, well, I mean, I mean the feel whole like good, good and evil thing. thing okay, okay right thing. exactly yeah that, that do you feel like sense. there's anything
1: going on with light and darkness or or even like oh like is this any commentary on like fascism and world war two no, i don't know good, like...
3: the uh the gray jedi stop it <laughs> no i i you I, think, I think you're funny funny because you go on twitter is that th- it <laughs> that was a that was a hot topic wasn't it um it's uh i i i think i i do agree with you connor um but i also get josh's thing too but but yeah that's i i took it as kind of like uh oh look on the bright side kind of yeah. you know kind of uh message i guess but um but now i have nothing else to input
1: okay um all right uh do i have anything else i want to say about this chapter here we've gone through Um, pretty much everything so let me just wrap up here if you want to add on obviously as always please do Um, on my copy it's page 366 Uh, so I'm towards the end of this chapter in fact it's the second to last page Haldeer mentioning, he says, There lies the fastness of southern murkwood, said Haldeer. It is clad in the forest of dark fir, where the trees strive one against another, and their branches rot and wither. In the midst upon a stony height, stands dull golder, where long the hidden enemy had his dwelling. We fear that now it is inhabited again, and with power sevenfold. A black cloud lies often over it of late. Uh, In this high place, you may see the two powers that are opposed one to another, and ever they strive now in thought, but whereas the light perceives the very heart of the darkness, its own secret has not been discovered. Not yet. Uh, So going off of that whole talk of light and darkness and good and evil, we get... We get more of this sentiment as, like, morality tied to the landscape,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: or like... um, the way that good and evil shape the world around them. And it's pretty basic stuff in the end. You kind of see that everywhere, like in, in stories and, and what have you. Um, but I, I do think it's like it's interesting here, like because we're kind of seeing how we get these two examples right next to each other. Oh, well, the Dark Forest is a result of the evil there, and the Light of Lothlorien is the result of, like... Our, our goodness, you know, and our purity and what have you. So they say. Um, I'm going to want to like tie that into something else that we're going to discuss in the next chapter. So I won't go all the way with this note here. But essentially, I just want to use this as like kind of a, a foothold here to be like, hey, you know, Tolkien's kind of bringing up this idea that um, the way that people are. Affects the land and the world around them and and not just like the way that people are and like oh what they do like literally like their morality and their character like their beings shape the land um, and then the very very last thing is literally the last line of the chapter um Frodo comes down from the tree after talking with Haldir and he sees Aragorn there. I think that's when Josh was saying that Aragorn looks younger and what have you. Mm -hmm. Um, Aragorn says, here is the heart of Elvendom on Earth, he said. And here my heart dwells ever, unless there be a light beyond the dark roads that we still must tread, you and I. Come with me. And taking Frodo's hand in his, he left the hill of Saren Amroth And came there never again as living man. I just felt like that last line came there never again as living man.
0: Yeah. And that's that I think ties back into what we were saying about how this place works, which is like, does it does like an imprint or a copy stay Um, or is it like heart and
3: soul? Yeah. Is it
0: it part of your heart or part of your soul that's just remains there, but your your primary self continues on it. So it's like is or does he come back when he dies? Is this like is this going to be his heaven at some point? Yeah, it's it's ambiguous and that's kind of the
3: point. Yeah, you're right.
0: It is. It is, yeah, no, and
1: I, I'm not bringing it up because I know one way or the other either. Like, the way that I understand the story and the way it goes, I have no fucking clue what this line means. So, uh, you know, none of my input here is coming from my outside knowledge. I was like, <laughs> what? Um, it just felt like we get another one of those moments, like, uh, you know, not to do a boss baby take, but I got t- like it it feels like that Douglas Adams thing where you just kind of throw in this bit of foreknowledge, you know, something that doesn't make sense to you yet because you don't know what happens. But the author's the author's telling you this is important. Like, the, something's going to happen to make this line relevant or true at some point, right? Otherwise, why would you write about it?
3: Well, I mean, in Douglas Adams' like, case, that's not always true.
1: <laughs> okay, I guess. I guess. And and to be fair, Douglas Adams would be much more plain about it as well. He'd be like, yeah. this is exactly what's going to fucking happen. But, but there's a bit of a connection there, not to strain it. More so the idea is that Tolkien is like we're getting something outside of like the present narrative that we're reading something beyond what the scope of what we've read and you know it, it kind of just naturally causes you to like look forwards in, in in into this uh, you know predictive space that you don't really understand you know it it's not real you know it's like well what what does that mean what is that going to lead to there's no answers that we have but i i did want to close this chapter by shouting that out and i wasn't sure if either of you had anything any speculation on your own more than what we've already said i know we've talked a lot about it but um that's my last point in this chapter and then i'm ready to to move on
3: yeah that's yeah. That's it for me. Um, I gotta run this charger over to the other room, so just take a a, a tight one or tight five, whatever you guys want to do.
1: Uh, a solid two. All right, solid say. two.
3: Let's do a solid two. <laughs> All right. Chapter
0: seven. Oh, I probably should have gotten some water.
1: All right. So chapter seven, the Mirror of Galadriel. The company makes it to um whatever the fuck we called it before. Taris Galadon. Thank you. Uh so this is the the heart of Lothlorien, the the central city where the Lord and Lady, the rulers of the region, reign. Uh Celeborn and Galadriel. And uh, uh the the company is brought to them. Um Pretty much, you know, there, there's some misunderstandings. There's some tension there, but ultimately, it concludes where they're like, "Hey, we are here to help. You can rest up. Um, you know, you you need to prepare for your coming journey. So we'll do everything in our power to help you and to to ease you know your struggles and what have you. So we kind of get like this Rivendell sort of. Section where the company's sort of just like hanging around and relaxing and regaining their strength. This takes place at least over several days. Um,
0: but who knows? Because time works weirdly in this place. Yeah. A bit timey-wimey.
1: <laughs> it is. It is a bit. Um, and this kind of culminates in Frodo and Sam, you know, seemingly idly walking about uh, the city. And they're like, man, you know sam's like it'd be pretty cool to see some elf magic and galadriel's like did somebody say elf Elf
0: magic just steps out from behind an alley yeah (laughs) hey kids you want to see some elf magic
3: um he's wearing a big trench coat
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah right just layered with uh uh, fake rings down all in the pocket (laughs) um so, this is where we get the, the namesake of the chapter, the Mirror of Galadriel. Galadriel beckons them down into this garden. And, um, you know, the mirror itself, it's not a regular mirror. It's really like water that um, the, the viewer kind of sees these, these visions, these dreamlike visions within it. Mirror, and, mirror
0: in the, that is a pond. Yeah. What is your wisdom?
1: <laughs> so, Sam and Frodo uh, both have a crack at looking into the mirror um certainly some interesting things to talk about i'd say with both of them um and then it it kind of wraps up with um this big revelation that we mentioned about galadriel um and it 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 kind of turns into this idea where it's like oh well like this this sort of leads to like the sign that the company needs to continue onward like there's a haste in their journey like they need to prepare to leave so they haven't quite left whatever the fuck the city is called in Lothlorien Um, but at the end of this chapter they've pretty much spent all the time there that it seems like they're going to and they're they're just preparing to head out again to continue their quest so largely it's a chapter of meeting the rulers of the city having time to recuperate and then there's this very interesting meeting with Galadriel that that culminates in learning more about her and also um, guiding the party along their next uh, route, you know, their, the, the next pathway they have to take. Um, yep. So that all being said where do we start boys? What do you think Connor?
3: Um, yeah, you know, I, I, uh, I liked this chapter and getting more info on ga- Galadryl, as I, like, Galadriel. Galadriel. Galad- Galadriel, as I call her. Um, sorry, ga- Galadriel, Galadriel. um. Yeah uh yeah and the 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 mirror was cool you know it's getting a little bit of a harry potter vibe from it you know right a little bit
0: Yeah, it's it's somewhere between the um fuck the the mirror from sorcerer's stone and the the pensive chamber thing that dumbledore yeah <laughs> spits, yes spits, spits his memories into or whatever yeah. right we we get two uh, harry potter references for the praise of one
3: yeah, yeah. jk jk what, what, we're on to you now? It's bothering me. what was that the,
0: the the mirror that shows harry's family oh, and double socks that's the mirror
1: of no okay i know what it's called it's the mirror of Arized it's desire spelled backwards okay
3: oh so dumb she could have done better than that. Desire spelled back. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> I'm just telling you what it is. Oh, I know, I know. But come on.
0: I don't think I ever made that connection. Or if I did, it long since left my brain because I haven't done anything Harry Potter. Tolkien
3: in years. would have made it like a cool ass name or something like. But he would have had fucking seven
1: names yeah. for yeah. it.
3: Yeah. 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 <laughs> Jko oh, desire back. Whoa! it Shows your desires. But we- oh, let's spell desire backwards and name it. It'll be clever. Like clever to do that. Desire, <laughs> but backwards um anyways uh yeah um i i thought it was funny how how you know sam is all into magic and like i want to see more magic um and then you know he, he jumps at the chance to to See this mirror, and then, and then he gets really fucked up by what he sees. <laughs> yeah, he gets, you know, gets really sad, and, and I was like, I don't want to No more magic, please. No more magic. Yeah, it so was kind of a classic stand moment. I feel like. Um, well, he
0: sees like the Shire.
3: He does. Is, like, it's kind of a disrepair, a little bit, right? Like
0: turned, like being torn up for mining or something like that. Yeah,
3: yeah. Um, Not so,
0: being taken care of.
3: So, so that was uh that that was funny, um, and then yeah, Frodo's vision and and the revelation of of uh her ring, um, dun dun, dun. It was all it was all pretty interesting, and I mean she's just a very interesting character because, um you know Frodo does like offer her the ring like oh it's better for you that and you know than me and and then then they kind of go through the whole uh like what if what if i took the ring and i became all powerful and and and, and again this this is kind of a another well, we'll um kind of uh call out to, to to kind of like the nature of like the beginning of fascism right like like oh like i did it for for the good at first you know i i i like ruled um with a heavy hand but it was for for good at first and then I would keep on you know uh using that power and, and and gain more and more control and i couldn't stop myself and mm-hmm. so i thought that was a that was an interesting conversation
0: all, all, yeah. will, feel, all will love me in despair yeah. The line. yes
3: yeah yeah she's got some great lines
0: yeah
1: yeah and you're you're right like uh i know we're skipping well ahead here but i mean the the end of the chapter just like you're saying connor where um uh Sam Sam is like oh you know hey Gladriel you know maybe you really should take the ring like I agree with Frodo um and Gladriel's like yeah well um I could and it would be good for a time but then it would become horrible yeah uh and she's very aware of that herself like she's she's fighting that temptation too and like she like she sees the the outcome of it and like kind of uses that I think to um to steady
3: herself. Yeah. Yep. yep, For sure. Uh,
0: It's nice to see, it's it's nice to see characters with this level of foresight.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that level of self-control, you know, it's like, you know, how many people could say no to the ring?
0: Basically, it's been her and Gandalf and, and Bilbo.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And even, I mean, Frodo is 0 for 2 for trying to hand this ring off to a more powerful person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: But there's a really interesting line that Galadriel has about that too. She says that the power of the ring is magnified by the power of the wielder. So if a more powerful person is in possession of the ring, it's not that the ring becomes more powerful, but like the power of that person is magnified in in like uh relation or in regards to, like, their starting power. So Galadriel yeah. with the One Ring is going to be way more powerful than Frodo with the One Ring. It's almost like... It's almost like Frodo's better able to control and and be the ring bearer for the One Ring, like, because He's of weak his weakness.
2: Bitch.
1: Yeah. Right. Like, if, if Galadriel had the ring, if Gandalf had the ring, how could they resist, you know? The power that they wield without it is already uh so grand to magnify it with the one ring, they couldn't they couldn't resist that. Yeah. But it's like Frodo like, you know, doubling or quadrupling or septupling Frodo's power. It's like, so what? He's as strong as like a forty year old guy? Like <laughs> who care? You know what I mean? Uh but that's another great bit of world building that Tolkien slides in there, you know, very, very slickly.
0: Yeah. Um so just just a couple of quick uh, insignificant notes. Um, apparently, it's been 38 years since Aragorn was last here, which, assuming he was in his late teens, early 20s, would we'll put him somewhere in his 50s or 60s right now. I don't know if we yeah. talked about his age yet, but it's like he's he's getting up there for a human. I know. Yeah. Hi. Right. Um. There's also something really refreshing about how the L, how, uh... Frickin' Celeborn and Galadriel initially welcome Gimli. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: It's just, like, it was so refreshing, like, I had to take notes like, oh, this is... It's nice to see a dwarf like, actually welcomed for once somewhere other than, like, the Lonely Mountain. Uh, or even, like, even Moria, which is the home of the dwarves, is like, no, fuck you, dwarves, get out. Um... And then, of course, they find out about the, the Balrog and they're like, you stupid dwarf, get the fuck out of here. And you was like, yeah. well, wait a minute. <laughs> but it, it was very much like, oh, this is nice. And there it goes. There's the racism. <laughs> yeah. I I like that
1: Tolkien, um, like, incorporates. Remember in the beginning of The Hobbit, every time a dwarf uh, first entered Bilbo's home, they did that deep bow. And then, like, Tolkien runs with that. That's, like, their cultural thing. There's a line yeah. in this chapter where after Galadriel's like, hey, you know, we should really welcome this guy here. Like, um, it, it says something like, you know, Gimli bows in the way of the dwarves or something.
0: Yeah, which is a dwarven fashion or something to that effect. Yeah. That's a good – that's uh, – my brain did not make that connection, but it almost did. Like yeah. – Like I was like, oh, this was probably referenced somewhere else, but I didn't have the I didn't go through the effort to make the final connection. So thank you. Mm. Um, A little bit later, uh, they start to talk about Gandalf and what happened to him, and they do not explicitly say that Gandalf is dead, but they use a lot of flowery language that implies this to be the case. (laughs) Yeah, Um, and they use his full title, Gandalf the Grey, fell into shadows. He remained in Moria and did not escape. Right. Uh. Hang on. I'm seeing if the elves said anything else about it.
3: Um. <laughs> uh, well, the head guy kind of is like, uh, blaming the crew for killing Gandalf. Oh, you're yeah. right. He gets angry yeah, and he... at them for it, and then, uh, Galadriel is like no it's not their fault chill
1: yeah yep
0: yeah, yeah sorry, I am trying to look for more examples but
1: I couldn't Galadriel I mean like to say that she blames Gandalf is maybe a step too far but you know she's pretty much like hey you know Gandalf is responsible for his own decisions you know if yeah. he fucking died fighting the Balrog it's not their fault like Gandalf chose to do that like you know yep Uh, So so that's that's a good point. I like that we get this dichotomy or this uh, This you know there's a degree of separation between Celeborn and Galadriel like they're what feel like the co rulers of the land yeah, and Celeborn you know much more like quick to anger and outrage Galadriel's like very cool level-headed and uh, Mummy and Daddy really intriguing to see like as you know Celeborn kind of rises to anger Galadriel just like you said Connor is like hey you know let's take a breather it's not as serious as all that you know you're an elf show some fucking decorum alright yeah. like chill <laughs> the fuck out it's cool that Galadriel get those, gets those moments you know like I, I think that between the two she's depicted as uh, the more like rational level-headed um, in control of the two. Like, we we kind of get, I think, more insight into that as the chapter goes on. Um, but, you know, that was intriguing for uh, a book written in the 50s. Galadriel's given, you know, not only a lot of power for herself to wield, but like, She's shown that she her power is is like measured in relation to a man with a similar standing, a similar title, you know, and I think she's depicted as the one with you know if not more authority, uh more more leadership or or more power like in the
3: background. yeah, I think that's right,
0: yeah, I mean, keep in mind, Tolkien was English, and this is about when the queen was crowned. So, there might be some influence there, subconscious or otherwise.
3: Oh, Josh, he's still on. he's not over her yet, is he? <laughs> Don't! <laughs> <laughs> Don't, god damn it! No, He's gone.
1: <laughs> oh my god,
3: Connor. Oh, oh, was
1: fuck. that fucking, was that worth it? Oh my god, Josh. I'm really sorry for Connor's outburst.
3: <laughs> I am sorry. You yeah, know, I, I do he, apologize. You
1: know, he he didn't he didn't mean it. Let me be the Galadriel like to his Celeborn. <laughs> it's just not right what he did. Um, but but no, I mean that that's a good point, Josh. It's interesting. You know, but but my thought, like reading through this chapter, was like, wow, like Galadriel gets a lot to do. She wields a lot of power, literally. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's cool that, like, she's given that role. Like, how easily could it have been Celeborn, you know? And it's just like, well, who gives a shit about Galadriel? She's just his wife, you know? Um, I'm not saying Tolkien's doing anything revolutionary here, but, like, he's, for the time... He's doing I the the feminism. Yeah, well, I, it's. I thought it was pretty cool. Galadriel's yeah. a pretty badass character.
3: Yeah, she's great. Agreed.
1: So, um, what's... I think the thing that I want to talk about next, um, since we're on Galadriel and their initial meeting when the company's brought to them, um, she says, this is Galadriel. She says, it was I who first summoned the White Council on page 372 of my copy.
0: Yep. I, I caught that, too. I didn't write a note down, but it was like, oh, I guess she... She started the whole uh, manhunt against Sauron all the way back during The Hobbit.
1: Yeah. So, exactly that. When, when we read that, like, last chapter or whatever it was in The Hobbit, when, um, you know, the wizards come together to go to the Mirkwood, we know that that's all about uh, fighting Sauron. She's the one who puts that together. And then even more interestingly, we don't know how this comes about, but she says, like, oh, if I had my way, you know, Gandalf would have been the one leading the council. Yet we know it's Saruman. And we know the fate of Saruman, you know, he's evil. So... He,
0: he has fallen.
1: Yeah. In a um, sense. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you kind of even get the sense that Galadriel might have been privy to that. Um, you know, that that Gandalf would have always been the better choice, but you know, somehow or another, it just... It's not how it comes to pass. Um But, so, Galadriel's responsible for that, which seems pretty big. Like, I don't know. It's like, you we have such a strong understanding of how powerful and well-respected Gandalf is, and it's like, wait a minute. He kind of takes his orders from Galadriel. All the wizards do. Like. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty massive, ultimately. Um and then even continuing there we get this whole the chapter expands on this a little bit later so um i think i think we will have more to talk about we can go right into it if you want but at their welcoming here galadriel like looks deeply at each member of the company and we come to find that it's like this mind test each member of the company is tested by Galadriel's piercing gaze.
3: And it's only what Aragorn and um Legolas that can or that 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 I can like stand can like bear the stare. Yeah, I
1: can even can even like, look at her, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I think you're right about those two specifically who can like meet her gaze. Yeah, everyone else they they can't even fucking make eye contact with her. Um and so, yeah, it's it's more than just, you know, her piercing gaze itself, like, it literally is, like, this mental battle. You know, each member of the company afterwards kind of, like, shares that they, they sort of had all a similar experience, that they felt like Galadriel was testing them. Some of them share what they saw, some of them keep that to themselves, but there's even, like, this weird mental, magical battle going on um, at their at their first meeting. Um any anything there we we wanted to talk about? I thought it was funny. Um doesn't Boromir kind of like try to goad the other people into saying what they saw? like like Pippin was like um, oh yeah you know she gave me a choice about going back to the Shire or staying and I said I would stay and then Mary was like oh well she gave me a choice between and he's like oh I'm not going to say that you know? yeah, yeah. Um,
3: but then Boromir doesn't even say what he saw either
1: no no he doesn't but he's trying does
3: to, he? yeah but he's trying to get what everyone else saw
1: I know yeah Boromir's is such a little shit
3: <laughs> I was just going to say that he is a little shit he is he really is
0: he... He's just been grumpy and very self-centered this whole time. He's a grunkle. He is. He is. Classic
1: grunkle. But it's great to have someone like Boromir in the company because, you know, like, yeah, I know there's kind of this division between Gimli and Legolas, but, like, everyone's still pretty chummy with each other. And then, like, Boromir, every chance he gets... He's like, yeah, well, the people of Gondor would never do that. (laughs) Oh, that's how you guys do things here? Oh, no, we don't do that in Gondor. That, whoa, that's what you guys do? Oh, we've never done that in Gondor, (laughs) oh my god! And it's like, wow, you, wow, what the fuck, Boromir? Um, he brings like this really, this really snide, slimy sort of energy. Like, he's not evil, he's not a bad person, you know, but he is kind of a dickbag. So it's funny that he gets to hang around everyone else.
0: Yeah, he's kind of the, the counterbalance to everyone's general cheerful and chumminess with one another.
1: Yeah, I mean, you need someone like that, right? It's like, you know, imagine uh, A New Hope without Han Solo. It's like, you need someone to kind of like, cause some friction to the group. like Because so, otherwise everyone's like, yeah, let's do it! And it's like, someone's gotta be like, this is fucking stupid, are you kidding me? <laughs> one person has to say that. Yep. Um... I'm not sh- I forget. I feel like maybe I wanted to say a little more about... Um, I think really the thing that I wanted to mention about the tests themselves, it's not so much about the specifics, but everyone kind of realizes that the the commonality between their experiences is that they're all given a choice. It feels like they're given a choice
2: mm-hmm. to
1: either, like go do this other thing that's really tempting that they really really want to do or continue the journey and you know the thing that tempts them is going to be different for each person but everyone's sort of made to make this weird mental decision in that moment where it's like you know clearly she's testing us like are we prepared to go forward with this horrible burden and take the ring to Mordor or if given the option do we like fucking quit and go back to the Shire or what have you everyone's kind of made to make that decision and it seems like everyone agrees that they're going to continue on the journey I don't think anyone says or alludes to the fact that they chose otherwise but it's interesting that it's interesting that it happens at all that's all yeah um just just
3: FYI guys I've got about 15 minutes until I gotta head out
1: all right, you got it. Well,
0: then we'll
3: yeah. we'll, we'll wrap on. it up, buddy. Um
0: we finally got a description of something very important when Frodo looked into the mirror. The eye. The eye. That's just my that's this, my entire note.
3: This eye. What what could it be? The eye. What,
1: what is the eye, Connor? You tell
3: me. It it's a weird thing that's looking that that that's looking at eye eye you. It's see like see staring at you. This. Whose so eye is this? Weird it? and fucked up. Sour <laughs> Ronald. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, it's the eye of Sour Ronald. Am I right? You're right. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I, my brain, I was trying to reconcile Ronald between Ronald McDonald and Ronald Reagan. <laughs> 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 and I don't know which one's scarier.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Um...
1: Okay, since we want to get the most important stuff out of the way, how about we stay on that? Uh, what do you want to say about the eye, Josh?
0: I just wanted to point out the eye was here, and it's it's amazing how close the movie depiction is to the description. Yeah, um, I, I think it sounds like that came across very accurately on the screen, where it's ringed in fire, rimmed with fire, uh, but the gaze was itself glazed yellow as a cat watchful and the tent with a black slit of its pupil opened it on a pit a window into nothing
1: yeah yeah so. what I think is really interesting about this too is that um so you know Frodo he's like paralyzed by fear um he can't escape the vision you know until until he does um And then Galadriel just immediately is like, oh, yeah, you saw the eye. I see it, too. Like, all the time. And so I thought what was really cool about that is, like, um, it's just another window into the power of Galadriel, I feel like. She kind of gives this impression that, like, she just constantly sees the eye. Like, the eye is always watching her, but... But just like how she kind of looks into the minds of each member of the company as they come into the yep. meeting, she's essentially saying she can look into the mind of Sauron, but Sauron said, can't see her.
0: I say to you, Frodo, that even as I speak to you, I perceive the Dark Lord and know his mind, or all of his mind that concerns the elves, and he gropes even to see me in my thought, but still the door is closed. Yeah.
1: I mean, how fucking badass is that? We've gotten all this talk about how fucking insanely powerful Sauron is, and Galadriel just like casually is like, Oh yeah, you saw the eye? The eye that I constantly see every waking moment of my existence? <laughs> the fucking window that I peer through in order to read the mind of the Dark Lord himself, and yet he can't perceive my own thoughts? Oh, that's cool. That's cool <laughs> that you got to see that, Frodo. Good
0: thing its he doesn't have the ring yet. otherwise I feel like that would be very much in the other direction
1: yeah and okay so let's just immediately speaking of the ring yes Josh you have the floor
0: I think you and I made the same fucking joke because oh, I did you see the fucking thing I posted on Twitter. <laughs> yes, I did, and I made that connection five minutes before you signed on to do this podcast. Oh, I was nice. looking through my notes and I was like, "Wait a minute, <laughs> <laughs> what is?" And it was, <laughs> yeah. So it turns out Galadriel has her own ring. Uh, it's one of the three that we that was talked about that was given to the Elf Lords. Hey, leave that Um. And uh, it, it's, the, it's the one that uh, uh, I think Glowin asked about during the council, and I was like, well, we can't talk about it. Yeah. Um, and it turns out the ring is named Nenya. And my note for this and Connor's tweet both make the same joke about Nenya business. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, man. I love that we both went for the same low-hanging fruit. Who knows how many dorks over the decades <laughs> have made the same joke.
0: Uh, we are just the, mo- the last We're in a, a long line company. so far. The latest in a long line. Yeah. So this also raises a very interesting question for me. Do all the other rings have names? Because we know question. the one ring, but do the others have any names? It sounds like they
1: probably do. Like, if this ring is named, the other rings probably have names, which is funny, because it's like, oh, what's the name of the one ring? And it's like, well, I guess that is it, right? It's just the it has one few, ring.
0: It does have a few names. It's Sauron's Power or something like that, and then it's uh, uh, Isildur's Bane. Yeah. But that's not like the name of it. Like, it's right. given name. That, right. Like, well, it's given name, but it's not like the original, like, it's been forged. What do we call this thing?
1: Yeah.
0: But it, it is cool to,
1: to think about, like, the other ring, rings uh, being named. And...
0: And we we also learned its power is what's probably maintaining the. um, Actually, I wasn't certain about it. Is the ring maintaining the uh, Lothlorien, or is it giving her the mental powers that she's demonstrated throughout this chapter? I think the answer is both. That's probably it. Yeah. Um, Because what what's what's she say? Its its power is it's the power of adamant.
1: E, the, the ring, ring of-, of adamant, yes, um, I thought that was in reference to like the material like adamantium or something like that, to be honest not no really I thought it was like
0: like adamant like persisting, persistent was kinda what I got it from that,
1: maybe um, that might make like, more sense, I'm really not sure
0: like like, like someone's adamant about something, that's kind of right. what I got the uh impression of because otherwise i would have it would have been the ring of adamantine
1: yeah yeah i guess that makes more sense because i do think we see that its power is um persistence yeah she says just just after the note that you said she says um do you not see now wherefore your coming is to us as the footstep of doom For if you fail, then we are laid bare to the enemy. Yet if you succeed, then our power is diminished and Lothlorien will fade and the tides of time will sweep it away. Which is even particularly interesting because during the Council of Elrond, they talk about, hey, what happens if the one ring is destroyed? How does that relate to the other rings of power? And Elrond's like, we just don't know. I have no clue. And Galadriel's (laughs) like, I fucking know. It, It dies too. Yeah, she doesn't seem to be torn one way or the other. She seems to feel like she knows for a certainty. She's I wonder if neutral. it's because she's a ring bearer.
0: She's a fucking neutral.
1: Sorry. She isn't neutral.
0: Futurama, just
1: the. Oh right. If I said hello. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so the fact that. There we go. Like, there's even this wrinkle where the great power that she has to sustain the land, this goes back to, like, oh, what's the deal with Lothlorien? Is it literally heaven on earth? How is it a, a miraculous paradise? And it's like, well, it seems to be because Galadriel's able to make it this timeless, ageless, perfect place because of her power from the ring. That's yes. why that you have this, like, little pocket universe where everything is beautiful and wonderful. And and seems to be out of step with the rest of the world. It's it's literally the power of Nenya.
0: <laughs> Nenya business.
1: <laughs> so um, yeah, and and then it's like I'm sure that connects to everything else that Galadriel does in this chapter. Like she has remarkable powers, um, but it, it's cool that we get to see another ring in action at all. I mean, in fact at first glance, I feel like this ring seems way more powerful than the one ring. Like it actually does stuff. Um, (laughs) But then Galadriel kind of has that line where it's like the power of the ring reflects the power of the user or, or amplifies the power of the user. So Mm -hmm. the one ring might not seem as impressive if it's on the finger of a hobbit who has only worn it three times and hasn't even tried to do anything with it. You know, Frodo has that line too, where he's like, Oh, well, you know, I I can't, I can't control other ring bearers. Why not? Isn't that the power? And Galadriel's like, have you tried? Have you even fucking done anything with it? No, you haven't. So, um, I, I feel like we get a lot of answers as to how the rings work. What's the deal with their powers? It's like, just putting on a ring, even if it has a certain power, doesn't immediately bestow it to the bearer. You need to will it as well. It gives you the capability to do something. But not the immediate ability if you're not willing to do it. Yeah, there's a lot there. Um, yeah, Connor, talk to us a little bit about Galadriel and the Ring. What were your thoughts on her having another ring of power? Because we've kind of been waiting for a moment like this.
3: Yeah, I mean it was it was really exciting. Um, I, you know, I like uh, kind of the the. Clarity we 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 got on its powers and uh its relationship with with her and and um you know i guess the connection and 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 also that uh you know i thought it was fun having um sam can't even see the ring right like yeah yeah, yeah. it's it's only frodo the you know the ring holder that can that can see it so it's yeah it's kind of a different beast um so yeah I mean I, I I thought it was you know the 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 rings largely remain a mystery but um it's cool to see another one and it is interesting cuz cuz you're right that it, in a lot of ways it does seem like it's more powerful um but then that just is like wow I guess I guess gladriel is is just super powerful regardless of ring or without ring so she amplifies yeah. it that much I don't know um yeah, yeah, and I... I uh, yeah, you know, it's it's kind of something that I want to know more about, but also I I like the kind of mystery of the the relationship between the rings, I guess.
1: Yeah, like, this was a good balance of, like, oh, we know a little bit more about it, but, yeah. like, it's not over-explained to the point of uh, destroying, like, the mystery of it. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. Yeah, I thought... I thought so, too.
0: So I, I got three quick things I want to gloss over real quick before we wrap up here. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so when she... When Frodo offers... Tries to offer the ring to her... So Frodo's trying to give it up willingly again. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, she considers it for a while. She almost takes it from what I understand of this passage. But then she... Like, her whole, like, dreadful appearance subsides and she is shrunken and now clad in simple white with a gentle voice again and she says I pass the test I will diminish and I will go into the west and remain Galadriel um it sounds like the diminishment is quite literal like when we at the beginning of this chapter she was like tall and just like imposing and now she is just a another elf woman Um, now that she has has forsaken this, this immense power
1: I get how you read it like that, but I thought it was in relation like just prior to that moment. It I, says that she grows like impossibly tall.
0: I did get that in, impression when I was reading it again just now. Yeah. Uh, to, to For my thoughts. But at the same time, it's like, sorry, Nova's trying to pull me away again. Um, I, I took that first part of her like growing and getting the whole terrible thing going on. Uh, to be kind of like Gandalf's trick when, whenever they get attacked, to just like expand his presence. So I saw that as more of like a, a expansion, presence expansion, and this seemed like she's now subsided and she's now smaller than she was before, is kind of how I interpreted it.
1: Maybe, but she doesn't forgo the power of her own ring. No,
0: she goes, yeah, she forgoes the power of the first one. And it, but it's the Nenya is the ring of adamant which we were saying could be like persistence of one's will or something like that and now yeah. her will is diminished so she's diminished maybe mm-hmm. or her ambition is diminished I don't know yeah it could um, just be it could just be like you said it's just she she shrunk back down to normal who knows
1: i mean she she does certainly like overcome her desire for the ring um in so, in yeah. a way
0: yeah and like the other perception shift I had at this was she goes from the high elf lord like super sage like sage queen um, and then goes into the whole expanded presence terrible all shall love me despair mode and then she subsides and it sounds like she's really just another woman like not even the queen or a sage it's just like she's just a person there now
2: Hmm.
0: uh, an elven person but it's just like, no, I, I choose to be myself and um, I, I will let myself fade. So. Yeah. Yeah, I somewhat. Gloss over this. I said gloss over this and here we are getting into it. Um, so. Well, were you going to well, say more, Josh? I was going to go to the last point. Um, Is it about this? Kind of. No, not Sam can't see the ring.
1: Okay, Sam can't see the ring. Okay, so it's kind of all about the ring itself. Yeah, well, yeah. so I, I know we are getting to the end here. There's an important thing that I want to touch on here and you were talking about um, Frodo trying to hand off the ring and failing. Okay. Um, any, any thoughts on, I don't know, Frodo, like, trying to relieve his burden like and and what's going on there
0: i i feel like it was kind of the same with like with gandalf he's like oh here's someone who's much more powerful than me who i feel like i can trust i should give them the ring because they'll be better with it than i could possibly be because i'm just a humble little hobbit and i have no business doing this but it's fallen on me anyway hmm uh, and I feel like it's a bit of a regression because he already went through this with Gandalf, and Gandalf was like, No, don't give me that fucking thing, I'll destroy the world. Right. And uh, here here he is, but he sees that she already has a ring, so maybe he's like, she could handle it. But he Connor? doesn't
3: um
0: he doesn't seem to think about it much. He's just like, Oh, take it, take it, get right. it away from me.
3: I think there'll be many times, or at least I, I'm under the impression that that he's you know wants to give it up or throw it away or whatever or doesn't think that he's worthy but um
0: wait did he offer it to tom bombadil too he
3: might
1: well no tom tom wanted it he asked for it right
3: tom right. didn't want tom to keep it, it though,
1: though. no right. frodo was reluctant
0: to show it to him yeah actually. you're but right my mistake
3: then at the council they they asked well what if we just leave it in tom bombadil's world and then that was yeah obviously couldn't happen but but yeah, so I mean, I, I I don't know. I don't see it as much of a re- regression, but um, yeah, you know, I think he is still, he, you know, he's still still unsure, still very uncertain of of his fate and 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 what needs to be done. I think, and I think that's that's what was made clear here. Mm-hmm. And um, Gladriel kind of reaffirms that he's the he's the man for the job.
1: Okay, so thank you for sharing your thoughts on that walk with me here for a minute because i had a different interpretation of the scene and i'm wondering what you guys think of it so um i actually i actually saw this as um frodo like fully accepting his role as the ring bearer like we've seen we've seen in the past that other people ask for the ring and he's reluctant to give it up. You know, he doesn't he doesn't want other people to have it or to see it like particularly Tom Bombadil like but but we know that he's skeptical of it and we know that like at the council of Elrond even though he knows he's kind of like giving up the normalcy of his life, you know, he's he's willing to make that sacrifice for the greater good. Like he he feels like, you know, someone has to be the one to do it, he'll do it. And um It's because Galadriel has this line here. On my copy, it's towards the end of the chapter, the second to last page, page 381. Mm -hmm. She says to Frodo, gently are you revenged for my testing of your heart at our first meeting. You begin to see with a keen eye. I do not deny that my heart has greatly desired to ask what you offer. For many long years I had pondered what I might do, should the great ring come into my hands, and behold, it was brought within my grasp. Okay, she has this line, Gently you are revenged. So, if we think of this scene as Frodo taking revenge, here's how I interpreted it. Galadriel seems to have this power of looking into people's minds, she's making them make this choice between these two things, what they desire and what they've committed to do. And so I think in that moment, Frodo as a ring bearer and as a wielder of the One Ring, which we know controls and has dominance over all other rings of power, he sees this window in Galadriel's mind, and he knows that what she like truly desires is the One Ring. And in this moment, he's actually testing her. He's not even going to have her. He she he's not even going to give her the opportunity to ask for the One Ring. He's going to immediately take control of the situation by subverting it and offering it to her, with no actual intention of giving it to her he takes control of the situation by testing Galadriel. Galadriel, what will you do if I, Frodo, offer you the ring? You know, do you give in to what I know is your desire as I've seen that window into your mind? And, like, she she comments on that. She goes, oh, so, like, you have your revenge for my test. Like, you see into me, Frodo, and now you are the one testing me. Um... And so she's like, you know, long have I thought about this, and yet here you are offering it to me. Like, yeah. how, how funny that a humble hobbit would would do such a thing to me, a high elf, wielding this legendary ring. You come to me in my fucking home, and yeah. you offer me the one ring? You know that I desire it in this way, and you offer it to me? So, I think it's actually Frodo testing her.
3: So I, I do have to go, like, right now. Um, sure, okay, but, we'll wrap yeah. it up. But I, um, I... I, I will. I, I didn't get that intention. I, I think I mean I I I get, you know, the temptation was was seen as revenge by Gladriel. I never kind of thought it was intentional from Frodo, but it could it could have been. I just don't see him as that that much of a game player at this point.
0: Yeah, um, I, agree. I agree. I I didn't quite see it to that degree, but now that you've explained it, I wholeheartedly agree. And I I thank you for illuminating that for me.
1: Well, it, we'll talk. Uh, you know, we might even have a few notes to wrap up with next time, and that's okay. So no, we got let's, line, so. Oh, well, let's stop. That's all right. Let's stop here. Maybe there'll be a few things we want to do uh, next time. Doesn't really matter. Let's stop here. If we want to add on, we will. Um, and we'll just see where that takes us. So yeah. we'll stop here. Connor, all can right, you take folks. us away?
3: If you are interested in more, go to patreoncom jumps have a lot of goodies there for you. You can email us at chapterchumpspod@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at chapterchumps. And until next time.
2: All right. All right. That's good.